Throne Room Breakdown is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. I'm on the road right now with the Kings, and sometimes I might want to try to get into a concert or something like that, and Game Time is perfect because not only does it have sporting events, you can look for music and theater tickets as well on the app. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Man, I can shoot the ball. I know I can shoot the ball. I'm not worried about what anybody says. Like, I'm a dog on the court. That's how I play. They play fast. They have three-point shooting. They're young. They're versatile. And that's how I want to play. That's how I think the game should be played. You know, this team is on the rise. The city's on the rise. Oh, that's, that's exciting. You know, I'm getting chills talking about it. You are listening to Throne Room Breakdown with Jason Jones and Kenny Carraway, only on the Athletic Podcast Network. Hello, good day to everyone. Good evening, depending on what time you're listening. This is a special edition of the Throne Room Breakdown where myself and Kenny Carraway are going to break down the all-decade team for the Sacramento Kings. Not a lot of wins in the decade, but there were some good players to come through Sacramento. Which I don't know if that says if that's good or bad, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it, this was a wild decade. This 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 decade was wild. Just like looking back at it, trying to create this team or whatever, and the and the names that have come through here, and then the high expectations that you had, and then they they fail to reach them in any capacity. It was just a wild, wild decade. You know, you, you look at a decade where. You spent, you know, you spent the whole decade in the lottery, <laughs> and you, you only produced two all stars, and one of those guys became an all star when he wasn't on your team. <laughs> Jesus, and that's a guy you traded for basically like a, I think a second round pick and the rights to the the great Alex Ariaki. Oh Jesus! <laughs> so, so I mean, there's, I mean, in a lot of ways, putting this to get this team together was painful. It reminded you how some of the some of the roster holes this team has had. Trying to figure out who do you put at small forward and power forward. Do you want Jason Thompson to be your f- power forward of the decade? Mm, no. You know, I mean, there was just a lot to try to. You know, it was like it was easy but hard. It was like easy because with some of it, like okay, it's a no brainer. Like Demarcus Cousins is an easy one. But more so for me, the challenge was, where do you stick some of these other guys at? You know, where do you put Tyreek Evans? Where do you put Rudy Gay? You know, just, uh, uh, no, I tried to have a little fun with it. So I don't know where you want to start, Kenny, what position you want to start at. I mean, I guess we can start with the obvious one or maybe we can start at the, at the one, the point, you know, the leader of the offense, usually. So we'll get to, to the point guard. I think that's a great way to start. But before I do that, I want to mention a couple of honorable mentions that just aren't on the team, but they were some good Kings, right? So on my list, I have Omri Caspi, good King. Uh, I really like Reggie Evans when he was here. Jason Thompson, we joke on, you know, him a little bit, but he was a good King. He was, he was a solid King or whatever. You know what I mean? He was here for a long time, whatever. Seth Curry. All right. I really thought they should have brought him back. George Carl torpedoed that. It seemed like Quincy AC, Garrett Temple, Anthony Tolliver, and my man, Amon Shumpert. So honorable mention to those. A not honorable mention to some bad kings, okay? Marco Bellinelli, no honorable mention oh, there. You had, you had a terrible season with Sacramento. Threw up some some of the biggest 
crap I've ever seen on a basketball court. Um, and he seemed to only do it that one year. He played great in Philadelphia, played great in San Antonio, in Charlotte. Um, but in Sacramento, he was god-awful. Not honorable mention to John Salmons. Seems like a great guy, but he's probably the poster boy of everything that went down in those uh, ugly middle 2000s. Uh, 10 years. Just terrible. Bruno Caboclo. Is that how you say his name? Not an honorable mention to him. Wow. You, why are you taking shots at all these guys? Because I had such high hopes for Bruno. And I advocated for him to get in the game. And when he got in the game, there was a reason why he wasn't in the game. So not honorable mention to Bruno. And then last but not least, probably the most not honorable mention of this decade. You know him, Jason. Spencer Hawes. Get him out of here. We got no love for Spencer Hawes in Sacramento, so oh, not honorable Spencer. mention. Yeah, they, are they still well. He's not in the league. Are they still booing him? I they mean, would boo him at Safeway if they seen him at Safeway. Like it don't. I boo him when he's on TV. I boo him when they play a game of his on ESPN Classic. You know, get Spencer Hawes. Well, come on now. No, no team Spencer Hawes was on is going to be on ESPN Classic. Great point. No, great point. No Did he play with Isaiah There's Thomas? No. Did he play with him at Washington? Uh, no. No. Okay. Good. I don't think so. I wouldn't wouldn't want that stink on Isaiah. Let me stop with Spencer. I don't don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Leave Spencer alone. I mean, I guess for me, (laughs) the I guess some honorable mention type guys that you know, outside of you know, if you put it the good and the bad ones, you know, Garrett Temple is one of my favorite guys. Darren Collison is another guy. I liked Rondo. I liked Rondo. A lot of people were like, "Oh my God, you're gonna you got to cover Rondo." How was he on a daily basis? I, like, I really enjoyed Rondo. He's one of the smartest guys I've ever been around in terms, you know, as far as covering basketball. You no, know, he was always he was honest, and I think a lot of people in the media claim they want honesty, but they don't. They want someone to tell them something good that they can write. And Rondo was always honest, and I'll take a guy who's honest even if I don't agree with him. You know, yeah. and, you know, I'll take that all the time. How was Sin Bueller? Is that how you say his last name? Oh, Sim Bular. Bular. Um, how was he? Uh, Do you I, have any? I, 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 I don't. I don't think I ever actually <laughs> talked to him, ever. So I mean, I'd be disingenuous to give you any Sim Bular stories. But I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, Yorgos Papayanis amongst your guys you didn't like. You know what? I, I bat- He was on the list. I battled with that back and forth, and he probably should be on the not honorable mention for only. Because the whole pick and everything that happened, you know, it's whatever. I, I'm not going in on him for that. But he kind of he kind of tried to kick Sacramento on the way out the door. And you're right. You're 100% right, Jason. He should be on that not honorable mission list. He's not Spencer Howes, but, yeah, he should, he should be on there. Yeah, and there was, a, there was the other story, too, where they said that uh, one year they were sending him to the G League showcase. He tried to pretend to be sick to not go. Mm. Jesus. I don't – I mean, it's just, that's just one of those stories that floats around, you know, and – I'm trying to think, is there anybody else we're missing that might irk you in particular? Because you said a lot of guys I like. I'm trying to think of who do I? You didn't mention Jimmer. I like Jimmer. I didn't think they should have drafted him. But I look, I'm going to tell you right now, I think Jimmer can play. He can't guard, but I think Jimmer can play. I really believe that there's a spot for Jimmer in the league. Like he should be like somebody. Just have him come off the bench. Have him just be a, a guy that shoots the rock. Like, I know because of his size and his inability to guard and everything, everybody's like, oh, well, you know, he's got to learn to be a point guard. Just have him out there for three minutes and say, Jimmer, if you're open, let that thing fly. I, I think there's a spot for Jimmer in the league. So, Well, it didn't work out anywhere else either in part because Jimmer wants to, be a point, wants to be a point guard, and he's not a point guard. He's That's not a an fair. NBA point guard. And 
that was the reason why he you know he lost out to Isaiah Thomas because well he wanted to be a ball handler and he that's not his strength in the NBA if he just would stance I think honestly in today's NBA he'd be good you know so spacing shooting just tell him to shoot as much as he wants oh he'd be great right and, yeah and, so I'm trying to think you know he, he yeah, can I'm pretty sure a few he can leave that point guard stuff to the basketball tournament, you know, where he can he can do that in the TBT. Uh, let let that go in the NBA. Just fit, fit in where you get in, buddy. Get in where you fit in. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, pretty much. I mean, I'm pretty sure by the end we'll think of other. Because I have a Next lot of guys this? on these teams. Uh, Sauce Castillo and one of the most tragic nicknames ever. <laughs> uh, that was you know, But I mean, yeah, man. There's a lot of guys who've come through in the decade that I've actually, you know, I've liked that I've enjoyed talking to. I mean. I enjoyed Matt Barnes. I enjoyed a lot of guys. I just didn't enjoy a lot of victories. But, you know, so, I mean, you know, if it was a a matter of just the guys you like, the only guy who was really weird was Marco. Marco. He was one of the weirdest guys I've ever covered. But, you know, hey. Was he just like not, did he he not engage? Or did he seem like a a curmudgeon while he was here? What, What was his deal? Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird, like. You know, you try to talk to him, he wouldn't want to talk. And I mean, I, okay, whatever. But, like, he would just, like, blow you off for the most, you know. Like, we were in Dallas, and I needed to talk to him because, you know, there was a back-to-back. There would be no practice the next day. He didn't want to talk because he missed a free throw late. They won the game, but he didn't want to talk because he missed a free throw. Should have made the free throw. And they just walked off. I'm like, uh, okay, I guess. <laughs> Marco. Oh, and I've, and I've got to shout out one guy before we jump into it. Uh... The, uh, in terms of weirdest and most unusual guys I covered, J.J. Hickson. Okay. I have never heard. Tell it. me more about this. What, what made you get on this list? I, I have never heard a guy be so in love with a city that clearly didn't love him the same way. <laughs> this dude, this dude talked about Cleveland like he was LeBron. <laughs> I mean, if you if I could count the number of times I heard when I was in Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> We're, uh, and, it be- and it became a joke amongst the guys on the team when I was in Cleveland, when I was in Cleveland, when I was in Cleveland, when I was in Cleveland. <laughs> and I think one day um, it might have been Marcus Thornton and someone just told him, man, it wasn't about you. It was about for LeBron. I wasn't for you. <laughs> man, I was in Cleveland. Man, I don't know how y'all do things here because I was in Cleveland. And everything was about when he was in Cleveland. Oh, and it, you, would have said, you, you would have sworn that that was all about him. So that is hilarious. That is, I yeah, so they, yeah. that's funny. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, enough about these guys. Let's get into this team now. That, now that we've gotten the other guys out the way, yeah. Now we're, we're, we're guys. Where do we want to start at with this? We can go a point guard, like you talked about. We can start with the point guard. Okay, point guard. I went with um, one of my favorite guys in the league, my buddy Isaiah Thomas. He didn't have his. He had his best years in Boston. But when he was a king, he was like the uh, the guy you couldn't get rid of, no matter what you, who you tried to bring in ahead of him. The, you know, he still stuck around. You know, 15.3 points, 2.5 rebounds, 48, no, not 48, 4.8 assists. You know, shot about 45% from the field, about 86 from the line. Uh, my biggest memories of IT are just that from day one, he might have been the last pick in the draft. But you just got the feeling that he was not the best. He was the best player of the group of guys they drafted, and no matter what they tried to do to hold him back, whether it was say he was a backup, he was too small, whatever it was. When it was time to win a game, Isaiah was in the game. And I remember when they got him with the last pick of the draft, and I'm not going to sit up here and say that I saw 
what he eventually did in the NBA. I didn't, I didn't see it like that, but I, you know, I'm a big college football or college basketball uh, fan and watched him a lot at Washington. And I was excited. I was like, man, I, I think this guy, you know, can, can, can do some things in the league. And he far exceeded my um, expectations or hopes for that he had for him. And I just remember, you know, him just being a, a bucket, just an absolute bucket out there at any point in the game. When he came in the second quarter, if he came late in the first quarter, late in games, he was a bucket. Um, specifically, I remember there was one, it was really a random game. I think Derek Williams had just came to Sacramento and they played the Clippers. And that's when, I think that was like one of the Clippers' best years in that Lob City run. Um, and, and Isaiah just, was giving them work in the fourth quarter, brought them back, was creating for everybody. Um, and he had Arco Arena electric. And I always say, uh, a lot of people point to Mike Malone um, being let go and, you know, that being something that they can't get over. I always believed um, that not re-signing Isaiah Thomas was the biggest mistake this franchise had made in this decade because he was just, it was right there on, on a platter for you. He could play. You know what I'm saying? Like he had it on the court and then he had a million dollar smile. He was the undersized guy that kind of related to the city. You know what I mean? Being a guy that slept on the city, thinks it slept on all this other stuff. They loved him. He was a pizza guy, all this other stuff. It was perfect for so many on the court and marketing wise. And they literally let him walk away. He wanted to stay. As far as I know, he wanted to stay and they let him walk away. And I always thought that was something that, um, that was the, the, the biggest mistake that this team had made, this franchise had made within that decade. They were stuck on the aesthetics and they needed a pure point guard. And my my take was always that you guys are stuck on you need this, you need a you need talent, and you don't have talent. And you don't you don't let talent walk for nothing. And there were people who would say, well he didn't get along with DeMarcus, you know, was it really gonna work? And my thing with that was always that Isaiah challenged DeMarcus, and you needed a guy in that locker room to challenge him. Right. And right. so I always thought Isaiah was great for that locker room, but, you know, other people thought differently at the time. I think Pete DeLisandro was a GM when they traded Isaiah. And that's probably, you know, people get, you know, probably to this they don't like Pete, but that was probably the most egregious thing. The biggest mistake they made was trading Isaiah Thomas and, like I said, you, you depleted your talent pool. Because I think if you wanted to sign another point guard, you could have still signed Darren Collison and kept Isaiah. But I think the thing was is that they wanted Isaiah to go into a season accepting a backup role all the time. And Isaiah's attitude was always, if you brought in Chris Paul, and okay. But don't bring in somebody that I can beat out and get mad because I beat him out. And that was kind of the story of Isaiah's career. Everywhere he goes, when, when, once he gets his opportunity, he's always better than the guy ahead of him. So and I and I, I I liked him in college. I actually was you know me know I know Isaiah a little bit now, but he thought he might have ended up in L.A. that year with the Lakers. And I would you know uh, as an L.A. dude, I wouldn't have been mad about that. Like, I loved Isaiah's game in college. He would kill Cal. You yeah. know he was always a problem for us. Yeah. So I liked Isaiah a lot. So but yeah, he like his best years came in Boston, where he became a two-time All Star, and unfortunately. The injuries have really kind of slowed him down in recent years, but he'll always be one of my favorite guys from that De- I covered. Definitely, definitely, I feel the same way now because of that, Jason. I'm gonna go a little sideways on the point guard on my selection. I'm gonna go with De'Aaron Fox, and I know it's only been basically two years, 
or whatever the case may be. But I'm gonna I'm gonna bring into these these X factors and these outside factors into this into this discussion of all decade team. And De'Aaron Fox, number one, Isaiah Thomas, we we agreed that he had his best years in Boston. Um, great years in Sacramento, but his best years were in Boston. And De'Aaron Fox, there's something about what he has meant to this fan base in his franchise in his short two, two and a half years almost, right? Like he's, I'm not saying that they're in a championship level or playoff level even. They haven't even made the playoffs. But there is a sense of energy and pride and resurgence that I'm going to credit him with bringing back to this fan side. Now, it coincides with the Golden One Center opening and everything. But I know you probably saw some of the draft parties from when De'Aaron was drafted and the euphoria and the hope that he gave a franchise that has really been wandering around in the wilderness, you know, for more than a decade. And, you know, they lost the Marcus Cousins or got rid of him, whatever the case may be. And De'Aaron Fox has um, brought hope to them when he was drafted. And if you want to talk about hope and the reason why people are somewhat optimistic about it, it's because what he's been able to do in two years, specifically what he did last year and, and, and jumping on the national stage, getting getting love nationally for his play and, and some of the things he does. He's got the highlights when it comes to the windmills and the chase down blocks and things of that nature. So I know it's been a short two years, but I'm going to give De'Aaron Fox the nod at point guard slightly over Isaiah Thomas, just slightly. Okay, I got no no problem with that. I just went with the guy who I know. I felt like over the deck, even Isaiah still had a twenty point a game season with the Kings. So mm-hmm. I mean, I thought you know he did you know so yeah. I, I can't, I'm not gonna argue. I'm not gonna argue that. I mean, if you break it down, I mean, I actually thought about maybe going with Darren Collison too. Wait a minute, you know, let's, let's pump the brakes. Let's relax. Because I, 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 I was, <laughs> I, like I said, based on the fact, I thought Darren was solid, and Darren, like Darren maybe had I a, thought he could play. you know, it, you know, yeah. and I just thought that maybe for me, uh, De'Aaron's best will be in the next decade. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Yeah, but over, yeah, but, but overall, it was like it was it. For me, it was it shooting guards on on my list of shooting guards. I'll, I'll go first on this one. On my list of shooting guards, you got Buddy Hill, Marcus Thornton. And I put I put Bogey in there at the shooting guard position as well. Bogey's not going to make you know my All Decade team. I, th- I think he's that first year he was really good, um, and he's been he's been solid since then. He's been solid, um, but he's not going to make it. Marcus Thornton. Now, people I, <laughs> I, people remember like you know after he kind of got paid and uh, and I think he got hurt or something like that. Never really rebounded right from an injury or whatever the case may be. Marcus Thornton averaged 21 points a game in the 2010-2011 season. He averaged 18 points a game in the 11-12 season. And my pick was Buddy Hield here. He's he's the two guard. I'm going with him for the all-decade team because he had, in some ways, an historically good year last year at the two-guard position. But I'm not going to dismiss... If we're talking about, like I said, it's the same thing with Thomas and Fox almost. Buddy Hield, as good as he was last year, that was only like one year, like a year and a half of really good two-guard play. Marcus Thornton, two very good years at the two-guard position. It didn't translate in wins, but I, I, I got to mention him. I got to mention Marcus Thornton here. I'm going with Buddy, but I'm going to mention Marcus Thornton. Yeah, I got. I mean, I went with Buddy too. I mean, Marcus Thornton was good. I, for me, Buddy, it was just, if you look at the two guards they've had, 
and you kind of throw out the guys that didn't work out, the Ben McLemore's, the Aaron Aflalos, the Nick Stauskas, and all that. Buddy, to me, has been the best, the, the best of the bunch. And so, you know, that was pretty. That was kind of an easy one for me was to go with Buddy. Yeah, I think. And look, we agree. We agree. But I think we're about to start changing up now when we get to the next position. We I think small, so, too. I'll we go to small forward. I'm going to let you go first on the small forward. I think we're on the same page here, though. Okay. Uh, I see where small you're going, forward. and I think we're on the same page. Okay, small forward, I went with Tyreek Evans. I know he began as a rookie at the one, and then he played some two, he played some three. But for me, putting Reek there was a couple of things. One, I couldn't. I had to have Isaiah somewhere, and Isaiah's going to be at the one. And two... It kind of, outside of the Rudy Gay years, it kind of shows you what a struggle a small forward spot has been for the Kings. That's understatement. That's I was like, who do we plug in here? And I mean, Tyreek did play some three. He did start some games at three for the Kings. I mean, and healthy Tyreek was a very good player. I mean, people kill the Kings now. Like, you passed on Steph Curry. You should have took Steph. I mean, no one saw Steph becoming what he is. And Tyreek was at least an NBA player. I mean, the Kings didn't take a shame to beat or Johnny Flynn, who mm-hmm. ended up, you know, being hurt and not making much of an impact. Right. So, I mean, they took an NBA player. The guy did average 20 points. The downside is that after he averaged 20 his rookie year, the numbers went down, the injuries piled up, he kept turning his ankle. Mm-hmm. He also had his, his best run of the player in terms of making the playoffs with another team. He did that in New Orleans. Right. That year they made the, made the playoffs. Tyreek was their second best player along with AD. So... I went with the guy who, you know, he's not your prototypical three, but he could play three. He can he can handle the ball. He can facilitate a little. So and that's I, why I went Tyreek. And I, and I agree with you um, mainly because, like we talked about, it's been so inept at the at the small forward position for the Sacramento Kings in this decade. I mean, it just opened up a spot. It almost settled a debate. Like you were initially, you were like, "Man, do I go with Tyreek at point guard? Isaiah Thomas, De'Aaron Fox?" And then you just look at this gaping hole at the three, and you said, "I could just put Tyreek there because they haven't had anything at the small forward position um, for the last for the last decade." I Tyreek was a problem that rookie year, like a problem in a good way. That cat put on one hell of a season for for a rookie. And I remember when I was uh, working at this basketball facility down in L.A., Tyreek would come in there and work out. And this was after his rookie season. And obviously the biggest thing is like, man, if he could get a jump shot, he's going to be a real problem. And he would play in these pickup games. And they had like these elite 24 games with, you know, high schoolers and, um, you know, guys that were going into college, you know, the top players in the nation. And Tyreek would play in it. And it was so crazy because he would hit so many fallaway threes like just just splashing down, hitting literally nothing but the bottom of the net. And I was so excited because I was like, oh, man, he's been working on that jump shot. Like he's 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 got it now. And it never translated into the NBA. And then injuries piled up as well. But um, Tyreek, I think, you know, because of all that that happened with the injuries and then what's gone on since then, um, you know, off the court, people forget how good he was that year, year and a half till he got kind of hurt and everything like that. But uh, Tyreek is small four for me for sure because he was a really, really good king. And he was, when you talk about hope, he was probably De'Aaron Fox before De'Aaron Fox. A lot of people thought Tyreek was going to be the guy that was going to bring us back to the playoffs, really. Yeah, you think about a guy averaging 20, 20 points, whatever, about five rebounds, five assists as a rookie. 
you would assume things would get would you know be on the up and up, but you know the injuries and everything. To me, that that slowed him down more than anything. And then, like I said, he's had the issue since you know the suspension he's under now, the drug suspension. But I mean, his time in Sacramento, I, you know, he was a good player. Another guy to show love to Sacramento, maybe a little too much love from um, <laughs> the stories that I've heard about people he was dealing with, but um, yeah, he, he was another guy that. You know, he was okay with being in Sacramento. I th- I know he had, like, a brother or two that was out here, too. And, you know, I'd see them at the 24-hour fitness in, the, in Laguna, you know what I mean, hooping. And, you know, they were they were in the city. Um, once again, maybe a little too much in the city, but <laughs> they were in the city. And uh, we like that out here. We like that. I guess that moves up the power forward. And you want to take this one first? Yeah, I'm going to take that. And, and I once again, Jason, this is getting this is getting out of hand. I have a feeling we're on the same page here. I went with Rudy Gay and I put him as a as a small full or as a power forward, um, playing a little small ball here with this all decade team, and he's another guy that you know when he came over here from Toronto, you know it, it kind of raised some eyebrows. People were like, "Oh, they got Rudy Gay to go along with Demarcus Cousins," and I thought that combination. There was a lot of little circumstances with Demarcus getting sick and, you know, Rudy got hurt and, you know, coaches changes and things of that nature, the George Carl experiment, a lot of, you know, mitigating factors that kept that from um, being what I thought maybe it could have been. But it was actually still rather, it was solid. I'm not going to say it was good. It was solid while he was here. And Rudy, had, you know, he played really solid while he was here as well. I think the thing with Rudy Gay is the frustration that probably everybody has had with him since He's been in high school. You know, you look at this guy that physically looks like he was made to play basketball and dominate on the basketball court. And he's really good, but he doesn't meet your expectations always. Like he, you know, he's what, 6'9", he can handle, he can jump, you know, he's silky smooth. You would think this guy should be averaging 25, 26, 27 points per game. And he doesn't really get to that level, but he's still pretty good. He's what, he was probably averaged about 18 points a game while I was here in Sacramento. You know, he was good. He was really good all decade for a franchise that has been struggling. But I know a lot of fans probably wanted a lot more from Rudy. So he's my power forward, though. Yeah, I think Rudy's one of those guys that from his time in Sacramento, we agree on that one, too. But uh, where because he was in Sacramento and the team wasn't good, what he was doing probably was underappreciated. Because mm-hmm. it was like, well, they're, they're not good. It's like as if it was one or two players' fault. And I thought, you know, I still think Rudy's a good NBA player. Was he an all-star? No. Was he a Hall of Famer? No. But he was still at that point, and still, you know, remains to be seen when it comes with Harrison Barnes, still the best small forward they'd had in a long time. And in today's NBA, he can be a four. I mean, I know George Carl tried to put him at the four, and there was kind of a, some tension about that because he tried to make him a four at that point. But right. the, also, the NBA is a lot different. George is probably thinking, you know, five years ahead of <laughs> what the rest of the league uh, was thinking in terms of going small. Yeah. You know, George George had always been about small, 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 skill, skill, skill. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I said, you know, it's nice to see Rudy, had, you know, he his time ended with the torn Achilles. Then he opted out of that con- his contract and ended up in San Antonio. So I'm happy for him. He's one of, you know, He's one of my uh, shoe guys, so we okay. always talk shoes and yeah, we got kids around the same age, so yeah, Rudy's another one of my favorites. I have him on the list, and, and he's not going to make my not honorable mention, but I do have to mention he 
ruffled some feathers with Sacramento Kings fans on his way out the door as well. When I thought he was kind of just probably just being honest. I don't think it was malicious, like he hated his time here or nothing like that. But the way he viewed his time here, and I think he said it was kind of basketball hell or something like that. I mean, that's kind of what it was at the time. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't understand why feathers, folks got so. Yeah, why were folks sensitive about the truth? I mean, the man had three coaches before the All Star break one season. That's crazy. I mean, that's man, crazy. you know, so uh, one that they fired that you know the coach that he that he loved to play for, they fired him after he signed his extension. I mean, I don't understand. People are like, oh, why did he say that about Sacramento? I'm like, come on now. Y'all just being sensitive to be sensitive. This is like fake outrage. Right. Tell me one player who was who was in Sacramento in the decade and was like, you know what? That was a great time. Remember that time they fired Mike Malone and then they hired Tyrone Corbin and they hired George Carl all like in a month and a half of each other? Or remember that time that we had to we were going to relocate twice? You know, remember that time. You know, remember that time the tarp <laughs> fell off the scoreboard. I mean, I mean, Jesus. people act like some oh, people man. act like saying something bad about their time in Sacramento is a lie. Right. Like I'm like, it was there were bad times, and, and a mean, lot of times yeah. with that, Jason. Um, not to cut you off, but a lot of times, at least I read it as they're talking about their basketball experience with the Sacramento Kings franchise. I don't think any of these guys are talking about the city. Like from from everything that I've seen and read, and the people that I've come across that have played here and you know are playing here currently, they once they get here, all the preconceived notions of the city they kind of go away. Like they like the city of Sacramento, they like the support, everything. It's just at the time the basketball thing was was ridiculous, and I think that's kind of what Rudy was getting to, as opposed to saying like the city was bad, like the city was basketball hell. No, I feel like he enjoyed his time here, living here, but basketball wise, it just wasn't a good look. Which removes us to the longest, I mean, the probably the most obvious pick for this team, the center, the most polarizing player of the decade. Boogie. Uh, <laughs> I call him my little brother because it feels like we grew up together out there. DeMarcus Cousins, the only player drafted by the Kings in the decade who became an all-star with the Kings, the only player to make an all-NBA team with the Kings in the the decade. As a player, I mean, I don't think can question his talent, his desire, his want to win. A lot of the hate or the confusion or the issues with him came with whether it was clashing with teammates uh, coaches and to be fair to DeMarcus a lot of that stuff came earlier in his career by the end he seemed to be figuring stuff out but by then you know the Kings were ready to move on but I think in some ways DeMarcus was underappreciated I mean to put up the number as one scout told me considering the dysfunction the issues in Sacramento for someone to become a great good great all-star level player in Sacramento was a miracle yeah, you know, yeah, for him I mean, to, do, to, to to do that without the help on the team, to watch the team blow draft picks, you know, you know, pass on guys who could have helped him and take guys who didn't help, you know, I think the uh, markets in some ways is under underappreciated. I, I agree a hundred percent. I'm a huge Demarcus cousin uh, supporter. You know, when you talk about what he did on the floor, literally the best center in the league for you know three four year span. Um, was unguardable, um, was a beast on the boards. I always thought that was kind of an underrated aspect of what he did, did out, out there on the floor. Um, he, he was, you know, 25 and 11, you know, every night. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. uh, he, he was, he was a, a dominant force 
on the floor for a team and a franchise, like you said, that was just in dysfunction every year um, during kind of the, the prime of his years. And then, like you said, I felt that when everything got stable with Vivek taking over the team and, you know, moving into the Golden One Center, I felt DeMarcus really tried. I thought he tried to, you know, erase some of the um, the the perception that was that that people had of him, the, you know, the the arguing, the technicals, and things of that nature. And you know, there was a lot of I feel like there was a lot of people that I'm gonna just say it, a lot of people that I, that didn't want him to succeed here in Sacramento. And I'm not I'm not speaking about anybody in the franchise, but uh, I know the media was was really. Um, condescending, and they were really critical, high, overly critical of DeMarcus Cousins during his time here. And anytime they could use the kind of poke at him and, and try to get him to and provoke him, I felt that he did it. And to his credit, or, you know, I don't know if that's the right use of the word right there, he took the bait a lot of the time too. You know what I mean? There was times when he could have, mm-hmm. you know, saw what was going on, but he took the bait and he, and he made their job easier and he made the Kings' decision ultimately easier as well. But just what he did um, in his time in Sacramento on the floor, hands down. I thought he was. I thought he was the second best king of all time. Um, I thought he had surpassed Mitch Richmond, and he was on his way to being the best king of all time. I think Chris Webber's number one. You know, he still may end up being, you know, on that top five list of all time. It's, it's sad that we won't see it, um, see his career all the way through. But uh, yeah, he's definitely the the number one center in this all decade team for sure. Yeah, I mean, like I said, on the court, great. In the community, great. The other things, I think, I just think maybe, I just hope that as time passes on, people will say, you know what, we, you know, we appreciate all he did and tried to do for the franchise in a situation where m- most guys would not have succeeded. You know, it, it, it just wasn't a good, it was not a, the Kings for most of the decade were not a, there was not a good environment for young players to develop and grow and, it wasn't his fault. He was drafted by the Kings, and I think he did the best he knew how to do. And now I think in some ways, I think I, I think Vladi even told me one time, if he wishes he could have been around earlier, because if maybe if the situation was more stable and more supportive, we're talking about you know a 10, 12, 15 year career in Sacramento, right? For Demarcus, right. so but yeah, it was a, that. But he was still the easiest decision on this list. And, Throw the big, I call him Big Kid. Throw a Big Kid at center. So, and and you know what, Jason, I'm a, I'm also going to touch one more thing on Demarcus, because, and and I'm just I'm I'm gonna keep it a stack. We keep it a stack here on the throne room breakdown, right? As a as a black man who grew up in this city, when I was growing up, one of the things about those early 2000s Kings and even the Mitch Richmond Kings and things of that nature is they were in the city. I used to go to the Salvation Army, the Ray Robinson uh, Center in Oak Park, and the Kings from time to time would have practices there and they would be, I could I could shake Mitch Richmond's hand. You know what I mean? I could give Brian Grant a high five and, and see him, right? And same thing, Chris Weber, um, you know, with Center Court, Jason Williams, he was there. People would see Mike Bibby all the time within the city or whatever, but there, there became a time during that uh, Maloof era when and this is no knock to the people that live out there because there's great people that live out there and I know people that live out there, but they stop being in the city. They they start being in El Dorado Hills more as far as like events and things of that nature. They'd go out to Folsom. They'd go out of the city, away from the inner city. And Demarcus Cousins was the one 
to come back to the city. And that's why I'm going to tell you right now. And, and with that, the, the Kings had kind of lost a, had a disconnection with the black community in this city and DeMarcus cousins coming back to sack high, being out at grant, being in the Heights, being there. So those guys can see him and being representative for the Kings did a lot to kind of bring the, the black community back to the Sacramento Kings. And I think Vivek has done a good job of piggybacking off of that with the, with the Bill Black um, collaboration that he has and things of that nature. But I felt like they had totally neglected the inner cities and the black community in this city. And DeMarcus Cousin was the one to come back and say, no, I'm going to have a free basketball camp at Sac High. I'm going to be at Grant High working out with these young kids. You know, you know, an unfortunate situation where uh, one of the students gets shot. I'm going to be the one to pay for the funeral and be there in the community. And like I said, as, as a black man that has been born and raised in this city, that was invaluable to see him come back and lead the charge to come back into the into the community, and into the inner city. So he'll always have love for me for, for, for that. Yeah, I attended a lot of DeMarcus's camps in Oak Park at Sac High. He never had a bunch of security with him. The kid, He was accessible to everyone, and he did that in part because he said he remembers growing up in a neighborhood like that, and he wanted to make sure those kids also weren't forgotten. And I've also covered some other events where they'd be further out away from the city that other kids couldn't get to. So it's a very mm-hmm. good point about him. It's one reason why I think even through all the stuff he went through, so many people still love DeMarcus. And I think that's not that part won't change. And and people, one last thing before we get out of here, Demarcus didn't want to leave. I saw that kid at the airport cry because he had to go to New Orleans. Mm. As bad as the Kings were, mm. he did not want to leave. He mm. wanted to fix it. He wanted to be the reason why it got fixed. It didn't happen. What a contrast from uh, almost like a bookend situation when Chris Weber cried coming into the Sacramento airport. You know, getting here into Sacramento to DeMarcus Cousins crying because he had to leave Sacramento. So, like you said, that's another reason why people love him because he wanted to be here. He loved being in Sacramento, and I've mentioned it before. We've got this little stepchild syndrome where all you got to do is say you love us and we'll love you forever, and that's what's going on with DeMarcus <laughs> Cousins. Well, that's what's going yeah. on with him. He's, he's the uh, all-decade center, maybe the MVP of this all-decade team. Yeah, only problem with saying he's the MVP of it ain't saying much because there wasn't a whole lot of success. But this, I've this, got this I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I've got nothing else left on this decade. It's almost over. We're, hopefully, we'll see some better basketball. Well, the next ten years and compiling this list will be a lot harder. So yeah, we're we're gonna cover our NBA Finals in the next decade, uh, Jason. Okay, let's the not Sacramento get Kings away. NBA Finals. All right, I'm let's saying not it get now. <laughs> I get carried away. Let, 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 we're gonna have the playoffs first. We're, we're gonna have the uh, the twentieth anniversary of of Kings Lakers two thousand two Western Conference Finals in twenty twenty two. We're gonna have the twentieth anniversary live. The rematch it took twenty years in the making. It's happening. Speak these things into existence, man. I'm not gonna do that in a, with a sober mind. <laughs> so what a sober mind. So uh, on that note, this is Jason Jones signing off on our on the throne room breakdowns discussion of the All Decade Kings team. This is Kenny Caraway. Let's have a better next ten years, please. <laughs> please, let's do that. All right, y'all, take it easy. <laughs>